Kia ora and welcome. This is the New Zealand Wine Podcast and I'm Boris Lamont. Thanks for joining us today where we are speaking with Grant Taylor from Bali Wines in central Otago, South Island of New Zealand. Grant is one of the early pioneers of winemaking in central Otago and its sub-regions. If you're wanting to find out more about Bali, you can go to valleywine, that's V-A-L-L-I wine.com. And you can also check out some more of the New Zealand Wine Podcast to hear some more of New Zealand wine stories. Just Google uh, NZ Wine Podcast or plug that search into your podcast app. But right now, let's have a chat with Grant. Grant, thank you very much for coming along. It's great to have you here. That's good to be here. Yeah. So you've, you've travelled up um, for a, an event out of wine? Yeah, Daniel Kemp and Great Little Vineyards are a North Island distributor and once a year he has a great event um, and I think all of his portfolios there and so we're part of that. Yeah, exciting. Have you been up before for, for the event? Yeah, I was up last year. Yep. I think we come up every year. The year before that it was myself as a marketing person and he has it at um, the Par Homestead mm. so it's just a, if you get sick of tasting wine we're pouring it for people. You can walk around and look at art. It's yeah, great. There's some great, really great. You've, you've been in there. Yes. Yeah. 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 No. It's it's really. Um, we're really lucky to to, to have. Um, you know, James Wallace offering that out. It's um it's very cool. Yeah. You know, and, and wine is art anyway. It's yes. Of a form. Yeah. So it's kind of appropriate that it's held there. Yes. Well, and um, we'll be able to try some. Um, wine art pairing and see what goes with what, I suppose. <laughs> the wine and the paintings. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah that, right. I, I don't know if that's been done. I, I, mean, I know somebody's doing a lot of work. Joe Bozinska, one of the New Zealand wine writers, is doing a lot of work with music and wine. Right, right, I, I good. I don't know if you've caught up with that. No. So, so doing some great stuff, um, playing different pieces of music and seeing how it affects the, the wine that you're tasting. Oh, I like that. So I think looking at art, and it would probably affect it as well. Yes, yeah, no, absolutely. I think it's. I think there's all great things to explore. Um, so, what's the correct pronunciation? Is it Bali? Um, it's anything. You, however, you want to produce. <laughs> yeah. uh, however, you want to pronounce it's correct. I grew up. Well, my grandfather was from South Otago, and yes, it was sort of anglicised. So it was his name was Paddy Valley, but right. really the correct pronunciation is Valley because it's Italian. Yes. And his, so his, his I use both words and make up one in the middle sometimes as well. Right. <laughs> so Bali and, and his so so he immigrated here from Italy. Um, no, his grandfather. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. Um, Giuseppe was his correct. Name? You've been yeah. reading my back label. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. And so, um, did he, he had something to do with wine initially, or? Yeah, I think. Well, in Italy, they made a little bit of wine for home use. Yes, which most Italians seem to do. But no, when they came here, they were sheep farming for a number of generations. Right, okay. Yep, yep. And then so how did you, because you were one of the early pioneers, if you like, of wine in um, central Otago? It was yeah, it turned up on. in 93. I think there were only 40 acres of grapes. Yes. And now there's more than 5,000. Right. Um, like any story, it can be as long as I decide to make it. But <laughs> you know, wine was always a bit of an interest of mine and a hobby and at university and, and even in high school, we used to make wine out of apples for fun. Um, and this seemed like a, a good way to make a living. Right. So I sort of, yep, was the first, first of the new generation. Yeah, yeah. So, in, in, so you just started doing that and you were intrigued with the process or? Yeah, well, 
my, my dad always had a wine cellar when I was growing up, and it wasn't that common in New Zealand. So wine was sort of part of life. Uh, mm. I studied at Lincoln, which was agriculture university, and I, you know, I went to high school in Auckland in the late 60s and 70s, and everybody was going to Auckland University and having a lot of fun. But I kind of felt like I, I really did want to get back to the land and decided to study agriculture because I, I wanted to, farming interested me. And, and, and growing grapes and winemaking sort of is part of that. It just it followed, it followed through. I finished Lincoln and had friends who are exchange students from University of California, Davis, which is quite near Napa. And my OE took me there and sort of, I think, what, 22, 23 years old, and you go to Napa and Sonoma and they're giving wine away, you know, f- f- cellar doors, tasting rooms, free wine. I mean, what young New Zealander wouldn't be interested? <laughs> but also, so that's how most of the weekends were spent. But also I realised this was a way you can make a living and have a lot of fun. Right, okay. And, and so we're, did you grow up in central Otago? Is that where the... the no, no, my, my dad worked for the government for the railways. Right. So we moved around all over the country. I, oh, I okay. think the longest I lived anywhere was in Auckland for about four years. Right, okay. Okay. But Southland and, and Otago, are, I guess I feel at home there. Right, right. So, so when, how, did that, um, how did your um, winemaking career start then? You, you came back from the US? I oh, know. Well, I was making, making wine in the States. Ah, okay. I think it was late 70s, early 80s. I applied for a job at a brand new winery as assistant winemaker mm-hmm. with, with no winemaking experience. And I, I got the job and there was people with winemaking degrees from Davis applied for the job as well. And I got it with sort of no experience, but it was, I know why I got it, it was the New Zealand work ethic. The winemakers who hired me told me afterwards, these guys that come in of university, they were expecting to work eight to five, four, to four or five days a week. Right. Now, I'd grown up on farms and I knew that when it was time to cut the clover seed, you hopped on that tractor when the sun came up and you didn't get off it till it was dark and you couldn't right. see. Yeah. And you know, lambing time is the same thing. So I guess it was sort of this the fact that I was willing to um, to do that. And, and, and so, so whereabouts was that? In that the was in, in Napa. It was in Napa. Yeah, ah, yeah, okay, okay. Yeah. And that would have been, what, what, what was happening in the wine industry there in, in Napa at that time? Uh, there were, were boom times. That was just really when the industry started to take off. Okay. Um, it's, it had been there for, for many years, but the, the 80s, the economy was great in the States. Um, and Napa was just, I, I guess it's kind of like Central Otago was when it first turned up. It was, it was there, but it was just ticking along. And then in the 80s, you know, the industry really took off. It was a good time to be there. Right. I yep. was there for about 14 years. Oh, okay. Okay, that's a good, that's a good long stint then. And, and mainly with the, the, the one winery or you moved around and… No, I worked for two. So yep. I was, okay. okay. I, was a, I was a fairly solid employee. Yes. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, The is. first place I was sort of assistant winemaker yep. and then the second winery I was, I helped build the winery and was winemaker. And what varietals were you working with here? Yeah, mainly Cabernet and, okay. and Chardonnay. Yep. A little bit of Pinot, but it wasn't wasn't that great because it was too warm. But Cabernet, Merlot, Bordeaux, Bordeaux wines, basically. Right. Yep. And and so, what then triggered you to come back to New Zealand? Um, home, homesick's probably not quite the right word, but it was just it was just time to go back home. You know. Right. Yep. I, I loved being in the states, but it wasn't my home. I wasn't one of those immigrants that had come from a poor country and wanted to stay there. Mm. And I guess. My friends kept asking me, you know, when was I going to become a citizen? Because they sort of expected everybody, or thought everybody came from other parts of the world to want to live there, yeah. you know, which was not true. I was just just living there and having fun. So I came back here on a holiday in 1992 mm-hmm. and went south and visited Rudy Bauer, who was winemaker at Ripon, and okay. tasted wines I thought 
and this, this is when there's only probably 20 acres of grapes, and I tasted wines that I thought, wow, this, the region can grow grapes. And then I popped over the hill to Gibbston to meet Alan Brady, who had sort of the other thing I thought was necessary to make a wine region work. Every time there was reason to be in the newspaper, he was out there with the story, you know, marketing, marketing, marketing. Right. So that was the, I, the two things that I thought can make the region successful. And also Queenstown with a big tourist industry, a lot, lot of local restaurants, even if the wines weren't that great. Um, the tourists and visitors wanted to taste the local wines, so there was a built-in market as well. And Alan was looking for a winemaker, and I went back to the States. And I thought about it for a while, and I thought about it, and I thought, man, this looks like too much fun not to be had, so packed up and come home. Right, okay. Okay, so you started working You started working with him yep. initially? Yep. 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 And so, sorry, so whereabouts was that? Oh, that was Gibston Valley Winery. Gibson, yep. You've been down there? Yes. Yeah, right yep. by the Bungee Bridge. Yeah. It's, oh, okay. It, they're yes. the first commercial winery in Central. Yep. And, and we made the wines for a lot of current labels there. Right. Okay. Okay. And so how long How long were you doing that for? Uh, you're making my memory work hard this morning. <laughs> um, started in 93, left in 06. Right. But during that time, a part of my agreement with Alan was that I could start my own label, you know, I yep. always wanted to have my own company and my own brand, yes. and I started that in '98 while I was making wine for Gibson Valley and a number of other people. Okay, and so, and what varietals were you working with with um, at, at Gibson during that time? Uh, pretty much mainly Pinot Noir. Yes, you know, it's, it's, that's what I Targo still is. It's almost eighty percent Pinot, mm. but we had there was Pinot Gris and Riesling and. Um, Sauvignon Blanc, which mm-hmm. we pulled out, Cabernet, which we pulled out. You're right. So you tried tried a few things, and yeah, some of them worked, and some of them didn't. Yeah, I didn't plant the vines; they were planted when I turned up, mm. and there was prob- there were probably twenty different varieties, but there were two that sort of said we belong here. We ripen better than everything else. We make better wines, and it was pin- well, this was in Gibson anyway, Pinot Gris and Pinot Noir. Mm-hmm. So we never set out to make one of those varieties on purpose. They were just the ones that said. We belong here, you know. Mm-hmm. Take care of us, and we'll take care of you. Mm-hmm. And and so you, you started your own label as well at the at the same time. Yeah, I did. Yeah, and one of the things that we did at Gibson Valley, a, a lot of the other wineries that exist today, quite well known names, they had vineyards, but they didn't have a winery. So, it, but Gibson Valley had a winery, but very very few grapes. So, in return for their grapes, we would make wine. So we went and split it. So it gave me a chance to see how different the Otago subregions were. And I think in the early days we were thinking Central Otago, but um, Gibson, the character of the grapes and, and the wines are so different than Bannockburn or Wanaka or Alexandra. So when I started a label, I wanted to sort of share what I was seeing with other people. Mm-hmm. So I started Valley making just wines from those single sites as opposed to blending. Right. Okay. Okay. And uh, and you still you've you've carried on carried on with that. Yep. yep. Yeah. There's no the Pinot Noirs are all still single vineyard wines from single sites. Yep. Yep. But um, so you the the winery itself, a Valley Winery, is it? We lease a building in Cromwell. I think a lot of uh, a lot of wineries in Central Otago lease these old buildings in Cromwell. Mm-hmm. I think they were left over from the Clyde Dam project. Ah. Uh, Quartz Reef is there. Burn Cottage. Uh, you know, Worming Tree. A lot of the a couple of big contract facilities as well. So it's, it's really very, very convenient. The buildings are almost free. I shouldn't say that. My landlord's probably listening. Um, <laughs> but, no, but they're great. They're, they're so set up. We'll let that bit out and say you pay a very fair rent. <laughs> so whatever you like. No, it's good. And, and you've got all the services right there as well. You've got electricians and engineers. Because you know, things inevitably break 
during harvest time. Yeah. Using machinery, things go wrong. Yeah. If you've got people to fix them right next door, it's uh, very, very convenient. Mm. Mm. And and so you're making wine from a few of the a few of the different regions now. Yeah. Uh, or sub regions. Yeah. Say. Gibston is the first vineyard we it was BLM when I bought it, mm-hmm. which is kind of a lot of fun and a lot of satisfaction in seeing what that's done. So that's the state vineyard, and then we purchased another one next to that a few years ago. Um, so yeah. sorry, and so whereabouts in Gibston is that for people? Whereabouts is along that? Down towards Nevis Bluff. Okay, but it's on the south side of the road, which means it looks north. So, so right, it gets gets a lot of sun. Yep. Yeah, yep. If you, if you know where Wide Terry Creek's tasting room is, it's exactly opposite that. Right. Okay. So not down the Bungee Bridge end, not down Gibson Valley end, but the other end. The, up the other end. Yep. Yeah. And uh, we own a, we own a vineyard in the Waitaki Valley in North Otago, mm-hmm. which is something I'm happy to talk about forever. Right. Yes. <laughs> love love that region, and, and, and it's I think it's got a great future. And then we lease a vineyard in Bannockburn and um, Bendigo as well. Yep. And I do a fruit swap with another winery called Burn Cottage mm-hmm. uh, there in Lowburn. So I guess I've got five single vineyard pinots. Right. Okay. And so just briefly, what do you find as the variation between those those different sub sub regions or d- does that change from year to year or is there something consistent about each of them yeah it, it does change year to, from year to year but it's still very consistent um and i think if otago has a, a warm summer um, it's the, it's gibson's warm bannockburn's warm the, the whole region is warm if it's a cool wet year the whole region is cool and wet so there's there's consistency within a vintage but uh this, the sub regions give you quite different wines Yep. Gibston's close to Queenstown. It's like Wanaka, sort of further west, high elevation, uh, cooler climate. They're not as big and as rich as the wines from the Cromwell Basin, but they're really complex. They're sort of perfume and spice, you know, sort of incredibly complex aromatics. Uh, it's a cooler climate, so they tend to live on acid rather than tannin, mm-hmm. and, and they're not big in alcohol, but they've got acidity and length of flavour. You know, they're, they're very, very elegant, really pretty Pinot Noirs, whereas the Cromwell Basin, both Bannockburn and Bendigo, you know, they're bigger, they're richer, they've got more alcohol, that they live a bit more in their tannin. I, I kind of sometimes call Bendigo Pinot Noir for Shiraz drinkers, but you know, those wines uh-huh. have got their place, but they're mm-hmm. definitely bigger, much more mm. about power. Mm. Okay, okay. And, and those differences are consistent. You can put the wines in brown paper bags from any given vintage and you can say, yep, this is Gibson, this is Bannockburn, this is Waitaki. Right, okay, okay. So very. So for you, very distinctive, the sub-regions. Yep. Yep. Yeah, okay. And and Waitaki, so you um, is that the was that the is that the latest um, place for you to start making wine from? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh, the first commercial wines were made in two thousand and four, mm. and we've been making wines from that region ever since. We've taken, I think, I've taken two years off where the fruit wasn't very good. Um, I've just purchased a vineyard in Waitaki. Mm-hmm. It's a much cooler climate, limestone soils. Um, yeah, they're quite quite special wines. They're really, they're really delicate, but incredible length of flavour. Um, it's, it's a cool climate, so they've got a lot of acidity. But that's, the, I think the fact that the vines, the grapes are on the vine such a long time, it can have high acid, but the flavours are ripe. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of energy and, and vibrancy from the acidity, but they're not unripe. And, and the same varietals as, as you're doing in... Uh, yeah, yeah, yep. pretty, yep. Yep, exactly, because, again, cool climate. With a little Chardonnay, I've, I've made a Chardonnay from that region in 2015, and that was actually thought I made. I've always liked the wines from the Waitaki, mm-hmm. but that Chardonnay, when we made that, I said, okay, I've got to own a piece of this. You know, right. it, was, it was That was the wine that said, I've got to 
Oh, got to okay. have some of the Waitaki. Right. Okay. And, and I was born in Kurau as well. Right. I so said we moved around a lot, but my dad yeah. was station master in Kurau. So it's kind of where I started. Yeah, so nice. There's, there's a lot of satisfaction, and, and that sort of draws me there as well. Yeah, absolutely. How long has wine been grown in Waitaki? You know, as a sort of serious. Yeah, well, 2004 was the first commercial vintage. And at one stage, there so was... For you or at oh, all? No, for everybody. Right, yeah. okay. So think, very, very recently. Yeah, I think mm. it was planted in 2000. Um, at one stage, there was 100 hectares, I think, planted. Now there's only 50. It's okay. a bit challenging climatically, and people, some people get into the business to try to make money, which is the wrong reason to be in the wine business. Mm. You, know, you, you better be in it because you love doing it, mm. and that gets you through the good and bad years financially. Mm. Um, so this is probably half as much as there was, but I think it's not going backwards now. Right, okay. And so what is the the challenge there for Waitaki? Is it wet? Yeah, it was climatic. It's the climatic, cooler, cooler wetter easterlies affect flowering. So you can end up with quite small crops. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it is called the berries stay a lot smaller. Cell division slower when it's cooler. So you end up with the smaller berries, uh, lighter crops. But we're learning how to manage that and viticulturally and, and lay a few more canes down and farm so that we get a few more bunches. Now we realise that they're going to be half the size of what they are in other places. So we're starting to get our heads around it. It's taken a while. So when you say half the size, half the size of, of what you'd, you'd, you'd expect from the uh, Otago? Yeah, we, our, our bunch of grapes in central Otago might weigh 100 grams, 120 grams. Mm-hmm. Um, in the Waitaki, they're forty, fifty, maybe sixty. Right. Okay. And the, and and primarily because of the because of the because of the rain. So different. different yeah. Well, yeah. That cool. The cool weather just cell division slower and co- cooler. Yep. So cooler than yep. right. Okay. Yep. Okay. Hmm. Good. And so, um, what have been some of the what have some been some of the highs for you in the last uh, in the last few decades? Is there some that you can sort of distinctly remember? I have a bad habit of um, not. Looking back and celebrating some achievements, I've been told that before. Right, I yeah, kind of no, want you to, have to do that. I kind of want to get on with the next <laughs> yeah. thing because I, I always think you know, the, the yes. next vintage is going to be better. Yes, um, no, there's definitely there's been some though. Uh, when Gibson Valley, we took a trophy in London for the world's best Pinot, mm. that really helped put Central Otago on the world mm. wide map. Mm, that's a big achievement. Yeah, I hope you celebrated that. We did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, 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 that we did. <laughs> um, good. That's you know that's very. And so when was that? When. I, it was with the 2000 vintage, so it must have right. been 2002. Okay, okay. So, yeah, um, oh, that's great. Yeah, there's been a few others. That piece of land of mine, that was bare land when I purchased it. And, you know, blisters on my hand from planting and yeah. slipped disc. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, almost yeah. had a punch up with a bank manager. Over, <laughs> but we got there. Um, you know, that's produced... You won on points. <laughs> <laughs> Just. Yeah. And then that, was a, that was a split decision. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Uh, but you know, that's produced twice in the last five years wine that's got a trophy in London for Best Pinot. Mm. Um, and, I, and, I, and I know it's got a better future because the vines are still only 14 or 15 years old. So this, the wine, vineyards make much better wines when the vines get older. So it's been exciting to watch that develop. Mm. That, that's, that's been a highlight. And that's sort of, it's a continual highlight just to see what it does. Mm. And, and, and what about, so uh, you mentioned you continue looking ahead. Um, is, are there things on the horizon for you that you're sort of wanting to wanting to try out, or you you got enough? Um, sounds like you got quite a big. You know, I think there's enough there's enough on the plate. <laughs> yeah. I, I, but I think exploring the Waitaki, you know, one of really one of life's great pleasures, without question, was being in Central Otago through these early years. Um, I had a 
often tell the story. I had a French guy work for me, wonderful Frenchman, Harvest in 98. And at the end of Harvest, he said he felt sorry for us because we never had our father or our grandfather or our great-grandfather tell us about the piece of land and what to expect from it. But really, he was the one I felt sorry for because he'd never had the pleasure of discovering anything for himself for the first time. And that's right. what Central Otago was like. You know, almost every year, there was a new vineyard block that had never had grapes in before, and we're starting to see what that piece of land was like through the grapes. Mm. Mm. Uh, you know, that's, that's, I think, it's once in a lifetime um, thrilled to have as a winemaker. And I think I've got the chance to do it again in the Waitaki. Mm. Okay. So that's kind of where the focus is going to be. Yep. Yep, and do you think you might try some other varietals in, in the white in the white I wouldn't mind Chenin Blanc. Um, mm. The vineyard that we purchased was planted uh, mainly Pinot Noir, a little bit of Riesling and Pinot Gris. Um, I know I'm going to graft some something over to Chardonnay because I just love what Chardonnay does in the region. But I would like to see Chenin Blanc. Mm. You know, in, in the Loire Valley, there's some great limestone that makes you know, really you know, great acid-driven again length of flavour. A vibrant Chardonnay Blanc, and if it doesn't ripen, you can, it's a variety. You can always le- stop the fermentation and leave a little bit of residual sugar mm-hmm. to balance the acid, sort of like you can with Riesling. Yep. Yeah, but it's probably if I was to plant or graft something else, it would be Shannon over there. Okay, and 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 that's come up to you because of the terroir. You think? That yeah, ex- yeah, yeah, exactly. Because some yeah. of the wines I've I've loved from the Loire Valley on limestone. Yep. And some cool sites. And I wouldn't make wouldn't make a lot of it. It's not the most popular variety, but. I'd sort of make it for myself, which which is what we did with the Chardonnay. Yeah, yeah. I think it's, um, you know, it, it, it uh, well, in, in, in my perspective, it's, um, you know, had relatively low exposure in, in New Zealand, but I think it is starting to sort of just rise a little bit. I think there's a few people, Milton and yeah, a few doing, others. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There was somebody up in uh, Kumi River, I can't remember. I don't think they're in business anymore. They'd always, they made a Great Shannon Blanc as well. Right. Yeah, there's been a couple. Mm. But as the, that limestone soil and the ones that I've liked from the Wire Valley, mm. I think Waitaki probably has the most similar conditions. Yeah, yeah. And so have you kept uh, a lot of your vintages down down through the years? And Yeah, never enough. No, no, there's, <laughs> no, there's not. And perhaps not even so much of my own wines. I've kept enough of Valley, but it's more some of the older wines I've made when I was with Gibson Valley. Right, now, I'm yep. pulling out Chardonnays that are 15 years old. And you know, my last or second to last bottle, and some of these wines are just incredible how they, how they've aged. And I just I think that would surprise a lot of wine writers and people in the industry if they were to see them. Yeah. But they won't get to see them because yeah. they just don't exist anymore. Yeah. And even Pinot Gris, twelve, fourteen year old Pinot Gris from Gibston, mm. ages incredibly well. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it's that's interesting, and I think it, uh, yeah, it's 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 challenging to find a older New Zealand wine <laughs> if you haven't kept it yourself. It's not like there's uh, there's a lot around and. One of my things is I think um, it'd be nice to see in restaurants more often too, you know, wines with a little bit of age on them rather than... Um, yeah, mm. I think we're starting to get there. Yes. Some of us, are, now we can afford to hold wine back. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I mean, and that, yeah, that's just the um, the maturity of the industry, isn't Financially, it? Financially, yeah. Everyone yeah. had to, you, you were producing it, you had to sell it. You didn't yeah. have the luxury of being able yeah. to say, well, we won't sell this for a while, which, uh, yeah, obviously some of the um, established... Um, houses in Europe can <laughs> have, yeah. that, have that luxury. They've had it quite a bit longer. Yes. No, but it is, it is good to see. We, we keep a pallet of our Gibson aside every year mm-hmm. and release it eight or nine or ten years later. Yeah, yeah. And charge as much as we can for it. And half half the reason is to teach people they should be buying the wines now and put them in their cellar. Yes, yeah, otherwise, that's right. Otherwise they will pay three times as much. Yeah, no, you're there. You've got to put them in the cellar. But the, um, the trick is trying to um, 
forget about them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just had to have enough. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And uh, what, where do you see? Uh, the, how do you see the wine industry in general for New Zealand at the moment? Where do you, where, do, is, is there anything else that you're looking at and going? You know, you might not be involved with. Where you go, oh, that's quite exciting. You quite you quite like that, or um, you know, something that you've tried recently and you've gone, oh, that's. Um, you know, the sort of peak, peaked your interest. I, I think the industry is always experimenting here, which is which is good to see. For, for a start, I don't think I've ever seen the industry in such a healthy shape as it is at the moment. You know, financially, export-wise, you know, it's, it's, it's doing very, very well. Mm-hmm. But, you know, winemakers, most of the ones I know too, no different than I am. They're sort of like kids in a sandpit. You're always playing with something different. You know, and we're, we're experimenting. A number of people have here for a while, you know, with biodynamics, other, other viticultural techniques, um, you know, organics become quite a big thing, uh, and then there's wine making, making orange wines. You know, which is um, a, a, taking a, a white grape and treating it like a red, fermenting it on the skin. So, th- mm-hmm. this I think we're just always experimenting. Mm. Yeah, and that's that's been a that's that's been a good thing. Yeah, yeah, sure. Okay, and um, I don't know if um, you've had enough uh, time to think about this, but um, if you could have a wine with somebody um a particular wine is there something or, or a person or both i just say no I, I did think about it um and after harvest we had a, a great holiday we you know we i figured we worked like hell for two months april may and after that it's time to go somewhere warmer and this year ended up in europe and went to morocco mm-hmm. and so if i was to bottle of wine at first i'd find muhammad <laughs> okay and i'd find it probably a good crisp riesling with acid and sugar, you know, really great balance that was that that you couldn't not love, and put it in front of them and say, "Why aren't you letting these people drink this wine?" <laughs> you know, I just, yeah. Why, why, why do they not have this? Um, yeah. This, why, this why, why won't you let people? You know, why will your religion prohibit people from enjoying this? Right. And and where would the riesling be from? Do you think? Waitaki Valley. Oh, Waitaki. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Or Germany. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, that's. Um, that's fantastic. Thanks, Grant. We've um, enjoyed talking with you. Thanks for Likewise. your time. Yeah, no, very good. We'll catch you later on at The Art of Wine. Okay, thanks again. My pleasure. Thank you very much. Cheers, Grant. Bye. We've been speaking with Grant Taylor from Bali Vineyards in central Otago of the South Island, New Zealand. If you'd like to find out more about Bali Wines, go to valleywine, V-A-L-L-I, wine.com. And also check out some more of the New Zealand Wine Podcast to hear some more stories about winemakers, wine growers and those involved with the wine industry. Just Google, obviously, NZ Wine Podcast or search that up on your podcast app. Thanks for listening in. Hey, corner mai. Bye for now.